0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K.
1: Now news and information is coming at us from all different kinds of uh, directions and and it's very important for people to to realize what to believe and what not, you know, uh, what information to to trust uh, and perhaps uh, what information needs to be checked and verified.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. we got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, Rookless, He is the program manager for media literacy at IREX, on the Very Verified Media Literacy Program. All right, Joe, before we jump into our stories, we have a bit of follow-up here. We got a kind note from uh, a listener named Vicky who writes in and says, I listen regularly to both Hacking Humans and Caveat podcasts. The hosts often reference what sounds like ULA or EULA, I have not been able to find a definition of what this is, especially since I don't know how it's spelled. Mm. I suspect they are referencing to the document that describes a website's terms and conditions. Can you give me a hint? I'm just a curious old lady, so perhaps this is just one more bit of jargon. I would know if I were in the business. Thanks for any help you can provide.
0: All right. Yeah, Vicki, thank you so much for writing in with this question. Uh, if you have this question, then I am 100% certain that there are other listeners who also have the same question. And all too often, we in the industry use jargon to communicate these complex ideas. But the problem with jargon is that it's confusing to people who are not familiar with it. So right. uh, let us apologize for not clarifying our terms here. But EULA does, in fact, stand for End User License Agreement, uh, and it's EULA. And it is, yeah. It there is a, a eula for websites in terms and conditions that are kind of eula, but it's specifically for software when you buy software. Yeah, um, it's and, that and, big long piece of paper that you never that you never look at, or the, right. the uh or that thing <laughs> forty two pages of legalese. On. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you never read. Right, and it's right. Uh, it's uh, you know you don't know what you're agreeing to because <laughs> nobody ever reads these things.
2: That's right. That's right. So, yes, Vicki, thank you for writing in. Uh, that is what a EULA is. Uh, we would love to hear from you if there's something that you would like us to address here on the show. Our email is hackinghumans at com. All right, Joe, let's jump into some stories here. Why don't you start
0: things off for us? Dave, the holidays are coming. Are you ready? As I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you buy gift cards for anyone, Dave, for, ho- for
2: holidays? Uh, I do buy gift cards for people. I would say gift cards are typically a birthday, uh, thing. Like I'll stick a gift card in a birth or a gift card in a birthday card for someone. Right. Uh, generally for Christmas time, uh, you know, try to be a little more personal than that. But just, a little yeah, more thoughtful. I use gift cards.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> gift card. A little, just, you know, a minimal attempt. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've used gift cards to send uh, gifts long distances for people that I, you know, people I, yeah. I've I've known casually and say, mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for your support. Here's, here's a, here's a 10 or $15 gift card. Usually when I buy a gift card, I buy something that's universal. Uh, like with Amazon. Yeah. Uh, So, and I will usually ask, hey, do you shop at Amazon? And people say, uh, almost everybody says yes. I've never had anybody say no, right? (laughs) Uh, It's just, so I I get them Amazon gift cards. Anyway, Mm -hmm. there's a new video making the rounds. I've seen it. I've seen it on Reddit. uh, And it comes from Nichelle Laws. She is a former police officer from the Great White North, Dave, up there in Canada. Oh, okay. Uh, And she is on TikTok giving out safety tips. Oh, the irony. <laughs> uh, being on TikTok, giving out yeah. safety tips. Uh, but, um, nevertheless, she is doing a public service and a public good. And she has, uh, recently learned about a scam that works with gift cards. So here's what happens. Let's say there's a bad guy. His name is Joe mm-hmm. and he has, uh, a gift card for some, uh, he goes out and gets a gift card, uh, for some service that he uses, this guy named Joe, you know, you can't trust guys named Joe, right? No. Uh, so he goes out and gets a gift card. Maybe he loads it up with like 20 bucks and opens it up on whatever platform it is that the gift card is associated with. Uh, then he takes a copy of the barcode and goes back to the store and just takes a bunch of other gift cards off the shelf, Hmm. goes back home. Prints out copies of the gift cards on sticky uh, of the on of the barcode rather on sticky labels and pastes them over top of the gift card on the uh, that they just taken from the from the uh, from the merchant from the store. Then takes them back to the store and distributes them around the kiosk for uh, the next person to come and buy, hmm. right. So when somebody buys a gift card, they they grab the next gift card that this guy, Joe, put on the uh, put on the gift card kiosk. They walk up to the cashier, and the cashier scans the barcode, says, yep, this is one of our gift cards. And uh, the person gives them, said, I want to make this a $20 gift card. The person gives them $20 or pays $20 with a credit card. And then the, uh, the person leaves thinking they have a $20 gift card they're going to give to somebody. Uh, but what they've just done is they've given Joe $20 on, let's say his, his steam account. Right. Oh, so isn't that interesting? Uh, what happened with, with Nichelle, uh, Laos, when she went up to the cash cashier, she handed the cashier, the, the, uh, the gift card and the cashier said, Oh, this one's a fake one and peeled back the label and huh. said, you have to go get a different one because the cashier was aware of this scam. Now, I gotta tell you, Dave, I'm surprised this even works. Me too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so just so I understand here what, what's going on. So the right. bad guy buys a gift card, puts some money on it. Right. Takes it home. Yep. Then the bad guy goes back to the store, steals a bunch of gift cards, but they have but no not, money on them.
0: Yeah, it's not even stealing. You can just walk in and take any of the gift cards you want, no problem. Really? Yeah. I mean, that, I didn't they're know not, that. They don't have any value until yeah. you put until you put money on them.
2: Hmm. Okay, I never really that's thought why, about that.
0: Yeah, that's why they're all stacked up there. I mean, they're really easy to get out of the store with because they're you know they're just they're worthless essentially.
2: Yeah, so takes a bunch of gift cards home, and then as you say, makes up stickers with the barcode of the gift card that they had put some money on. Right. Puts those stickers on the new gift cards. Take those back to the store. Puts them on the shelf. So now someone buys that gift card, puts money on it, but the money is actually being, because of the barcode, the money is right. being put on the gift card of the scammer.
0: That's correct. Huh.
2: That's interesting. Because I, what, I, what I was wondering was most gift cards have a thing that you have to scrape off that has some kind of code on it. Yep, that, right? that remains but, intact. But this circumvents that because the money is being put on by the cashier who presumably is a trusted Person in the chain of custody of the gift card, correct? Right, right. What,
0: what's happening is that gift card that you're that you're buying uh, with this little scratch off code and its barcode are being carried out of the store worthless because mm-hmm. you haven't actually scanned that gift card. You've scanned the scammer's gift card, mm-hmm. and I hate having to say "scanned the scammer's gift card" because it's, <laughs> right, say that ten times can, fast. <laughs> yeah, it can sound confusing, but that's what yeah. happens uh, now. It seems to me, Dave, that again, this is a, uh, a flaw in the, in the design of the gift card point of sale system.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that when you know you, you have these gift cards and you can put more money on them, I you know I've seen that with my wife. She has a Starbucks card and she continually uh, recharges her Starbucks card. Right at 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 with the uh, with the app, she puts money on it with the app. But why can you do that at a point of sale? And. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. I'm misunderstanding the the design of the system here or the intent of the system, but I think this is something that the people who designed this system didn't envision. And in fact, I'm actually kind of surprised. How long have we had gift card kiosks in stores? Mm-hmm. For a very long time, right? Yeah, and sure. And just now this scam is starting to come to light. So I think the scammers kind of missed this one until now as well.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a workaround or, or a, a, a mitigation for it. And, and I— uh, Check I suppose for a you code. could, well, you I mean, could charge it, up the card initially at the, at the, uh, you know, at the, the merchants, but then right. maybe if you want to add money, you need to ha- have that code with the scratch off. Right. right. That would
0: be the, that would be the way to do it. You can't just add money with the barcode.
2: Right. Right. But the I, merchants can add money just with the barcode. They can, they could initially activate the card, but then couldn't add more without the bar, without the, uh, the extra code that might yeah. slow it down.
0: You want to see some wild speculation here? Sure. Um, I'm going to speculate on the design of the system. Now, I don't have any idea how this this system actually works, but I'm going to bet. It's never stopped you before, Joe. It never has, and 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 the funny thing about this is, usually when I do this, I'm pretty close to right, which is which Which just reinforces the system, right? Exactly. (laughs) But here's how I'll bet this works: that the moment that gift card is printed, it's activated, and uh, it's in the system and just waiting for someone to put money on it, and it's it's. As soon as you scan it at the point-of-sale system, there's a there's software in the point-of-sale system that goes, okay, I'm just going to add money to this gift card, uh, this ID, and it's going to uh, put that money in there. And I'll bet that there is a vendor that provides this service to all of these different merchants. Mm-hmm. And the vendor puts that, that kiosk in the store and works with the store. And then just the vendor goes out to places like Amazon or to uh, uh, Outback Steakhouse or Southwest. I don't know how I'd feel if somebody got me a Southwest gift card, Dave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess I guess it depends on if they lived close to you or far away, right? Right. Because- yeah, li- <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> if my mom and dad got me one. They'd be like, "Get, get out of here!" <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> go Why don't you go on a trip? Yes, go somewhere else. <laughs> right. Anyway, the, right. then these uh, so that there's a there's a uh, the company out there that, that does this and they have one standard uh, for the gift cards mm-hmm. uh, one. And that's why the barcodes are all, uh, all very similar. And it works yeah. with a, it works with the particular point of sale system. That's, that's my speculation and that's why mm-hmm. this scam works. And I think the
2: flawed assumption in this system is that scammers aren't going to be adding
0: money to existing gift cards. Right. Right. That's, and- that is the flawed assumption. Yeah. And it, it, to be to be honest, it's this is a really difficult attack to conceive of. So I don't know that there's a a way they could have prevented this from happening. So I, I hate to to be the guy that shows up and goes You should have seen that, you know, Captain Hindsight. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, there there should be a mitigation that come that is forthcoming on this. Mm-hmm. And when the
2: person when the the innocent person buys the gift card. Right.
0: Um, they walk out with, with something that's worthless and hand it to somebody right, who well, then can't use it.
2: Well, they can't use it because the scratch-off number doesn't match the barcode either. Right. Exactly. So they can't the even spend number, on it.
0: Right. Uh, well, I mean, they they could peel the uh, the fake barcode off. It's just a label. And they could see the actual uh, yeah. barcode underneath of it and realize, or maybe they realize, oh. Right. But I that won't have, it. It won't have any money on it. It won't have any money on it. It'll be worthless. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Diabolical. It is. <laughs> it's a way to ruin so, someone's Christmas. So the lesson here, I suppose, is just like you go and you you jiggle the thing that's that uh, scans your card uh, at an <laughs> right. ATM or a point of sale thing. You got to check to make sure that uh, there isn't some sticker over the barcode on that yeah. gift card you're buying.
0: Those barcodes are printed directly on the cards. So mm-hmm. if there's something obstructing that barcode, don't buy the card.
2: Get a different mm-hmm. card dig through the pile till you find yep. one and that's right. uh, maybe hand, hand in the one
0: yeah throw <laughs> yeah hand it, hand it in to throw it away
2: yeah boy that's interesting all right well we will have a link to that story
0: uh in the show notes uh very interesting stuff we'll put a link in the show notes to the interview that Nichelle did with CBS so you can see how this works it's it, it's worth you know it's a short video it's worth a watch yeah All right. Well, my story
2: this week comes from uh, over at Wired. Uh, This is written by Matt Burgess, and it's titled, Scammers are Scamming Other Scammers Out of Millions of Dollars. Good. (laughs) I like the headline so far. Carry on, right? (laughs) Uh, But uh, so I suppose there's no surprise that there is no honor among thieves. Right. Uh, But the scammers are scamming each other out of money and— uh, on the underground forums that these scammers use, they quite often have areas of the forums where these bad folks can hash these things out. They can complain about each other. They can uh, they can <laughs> vent if they feel as though they've been chosen or uh, been... Um, uh, um, Targeted? Not chosen, um, treated. They can vent if they feel as though they've been treated poorly. Right. <laughs> uh, and I think it speaks to the fact that Uh, this underground market works very much on reputation. So if you have a bad reputation, people aren't going to want to do business with you. Um, This article points out that uh, the median scams of the sites, of these folks scamming each other, ranges from $200 to $600. Uh, But they also point out there was, uh, someone had provided a Windows kernel exploit and had not been paid the $130,000 that they had agreed to. Mm. Uh, so they, one person said, yeah, show me the, like, uh, throw me the whip, I throw you the idol, right? And right. Uh, someone <laughs> said, uh, I will give you the $100, $130,000, but I have to test the software. So they got the software and never, never yeah. gave the, never paid the, up. the money. Surprise, you know what surprise. I do then, is I What's report that?
0: that immediately to Microsoft. <laughs> I found <laughs> this vulnerability. <laughs> so you burn the vulnerability. So it's, Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's the first thing I do. Maybe get yeah. a bug bounty from Microsoft and ruin that guy's day.
2: hmm hmm
0: The other thing, that, though, that I thought was interesting about this that
2: kind of ties into something we talk about here all the time, which is that when people get themselves into an emotional state, they often mm-hmm. don't behave the way that they would otherwise. Right. And this article points out that uh, criminals are typically very cautious about sharing anything that might identify them. They don't use their real names um, they'll use uh, anonymization services. They'll use things like the Tor web browser, you know, anonymous web browsing, things like that. Right. Um, and they're very good at that. But in this case, when they've been wronged, when they're angry, <laughs> <about> the, <laughs> that often goes out the window, and they start. Yeah. They'll post screen captures, and when the screen captures will include things like their IP addresses, things like usernames, email addresses, victims' names, the type of software they're using, all all kinds of things to. Because they are interested in proving their case. Right. And they feel as though they've been wronged and emotions are involved. uh, They will include things that they otherwise wouldn't include. And this is a real boon for law enforcement. I was just about to say that, Dave.
0: Yeah. This is a real feel-good story, man. (laughs) 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 I I have nothing but warm feelings when I listen to this. (laughs) This Yeah. It's great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So they're... um, you know, their defenses go down, and they will share things that they wouldn't otherwise share just in the service of trying to be made whole by the either the forum itself or whoever it is that they feel wronged them. Uh, and in doing so, they make themselves more vulnerable. Uh, they say that there's been millions of dollars. Uh, this article points out that in the past year or so, they've tracked that criminals have lost more than $2.5 million to other scammers. Poor babies.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So I was just curious what your take was on this. Obviously, as you said, you're you're pleased about this. Um, I am. It's, I it's suppose this is you know, crime shouldn't pay, and and it's good that these folks are looking over their shoulder all the time.
0: Yeah, the, that's one of the um, one of the things about this working in this industry is that you are going to be associating yourself with other people who are perfectly willing to scam people out of money, and that that includes you. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, these guys do make a lot of money from, by scamming people in, in other locations usually. But, yeah. uh, you know, so, so when I hear that these guys are getting scammed out of, uh, 200 or, or 600 or even, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like the guy with the kernel exploit, uh, mm-hmm. $130,000, that makes me feel good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, don't think you should be selling kernel exploits, uh, to the highest bidder. I think that you should be reporting those to the manufacturer. That's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get some, get some notoriety for yourself, some, some street cred, uh, well, maybe and, some bug bounty money too. And maybe some bug bounty money. Exactly. Uh, to, but do the right thing. That's what, that's what you should be doing anyway. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to fall on the deaf ears of scammers, I think, uh, you know they're not interested in doing the right thing they're interested in getting the easy money uh so when when they have their money taken from them uh i think well that's i get this little uh satisfied feeling inside of me <laughs> little but, tickle up your spine <laughs> yeah but the really great icing on the cake is that the when the, they they start having their emotions taken taking control and that's exactly what these guys do to other people so mm-hmm. Uh, I like seeing that. That's a little bit of just desserts, I think, and I, I feel a little <laughs> bit of uh, a little bit of righteous satisfaction at yeah. seeing this happen. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. This is too much Freudian shadow, but you know, taking delight <laughs> in other it. people's suffering. But sure, I, I'll take delight in the suffering of scammers.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, worth uh, noting that uh, this article is uh, written based on some research that was done by the folks over at Sophos. Uh, They mentioned Matt Wixey is one of the researchers here, so give them credit where credit is due. Uh, Again, this article comes from Wired, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. All right, Joe, that is my story for this week. Uh, Why don't we move on to our
0: catch of the day? Dave, our catch of the day is so bad. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Dave, How bad really is it? Thank you. It's so bad that when our executive producer, Jen, forwarded it to us, uh, Gmail put a warning on it. <laughs> this message <laughs> seems dangerous. <laughs> Similar messages were used to steal people's personal identification, avoid clicking links, downloading attachments, or replying with personal information, which is uh-huh. great. Thank you. Thank you, Gmail, for, for yeah. doing that. Uh <laughs> It comes from Connor, who writes, "Hey guys, I discovered you guys through Grumpy Old Geeks. Love the show. I haven't received one of these emails before. I was starting to feel left out. I got a kick out of it, and hope you will as well. Keep up the great work." So, Dave, it's one of those uh, one of those uh, you know sextortion emails, but it's, oh, it's pretty okay. good. I love the All English right. in it.
2: Goes like this. Greetings. The following is your last notice. I broke into your operating system using the wireless network modem you were connected to. Some time back, I gotten to the systems that you were previously used to get online. All of the information from your own gadgets and devices was automatically copied to my web servers. I can take advantage of all of your messengers, social media, social networks, emails, chats and contact information. My Trojan regularly changes its signature driver type, so it stays invisible to anti-malware software. I reckon that at this point you realize why I remained quite right until this current day. While get-together infos about you, I discovered that you are a huge fan of adult web pages and much more. You actually prefer to go to porno web pages and watch kinky video clips while having an orgasmic pleasure. I have surely made a web camera capturing videos of you. The editing of the video clip you are watching at the same time, and you're pleasuring yourself. Your own facial area is obviously seeable. I do not think this type of information will be great for your profile. I can now direct this footage out to everyone who realize who you are. I also have no challenge with making all your personal data public via the internet. I think you realize what I mean. It may be a real disaster for you. I'll be able to ruin your daily life permanently. I really think that you do not want that to take place. Now let's fix it in such a manner. You send me $1,200 via Bitcoin equivalent at the time of exchange, and I'll immediately get rid of all your data from my computers. And then we will just ignore each other. My Bitcoin wallet address for transfer. In case you don't realize how to transfer cash and exactly what Bitcoin is, the key in the Google search engine, buy Bitcoin. I present you with three business days to transfer money. The timer launched counting instantly once you read this message. I'll receive a message the minute this email is exposed. Do not attempt to look for aid, as the payment address cannot be tracked. Address the message is coming from and cannot be tracked also, and generated automatically. Hence, there's no reason for texting me. Don't make an attempt to reach out to the police and some other security solutions, and if you choose to, your information will undoubtedly be revealed." Changing online passwords and social networks, email and devices isn't going to help you as all the info is already saved to my hosting space. All the best and try to not do something dumb. Carefully consider your forthcoming future.
0: <laughs> it was a lot of uh, isolation here. Um, yeah. It's, it's you know, a lot of, don't try to, don't try to talk to anybody. Don't try to call law enforcement. Don't try to do anything. This is always a scam. Uh, it it's, it's just people who fire up these Bitcoin addresses and uh, and then send out emails. Now, I have good news. That email – or not email. That Bitcoin address does exist, but it hasn't received any money. Uh, I don't know if this, uh, this particular scammer sent out uh, a bunch of emails with this one Bitcoin address or just mm. Connor received this one with this Bitcoin address. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – very interesting. It's it's a typical sex exploitation scam. Right. Uh, you know we've we've seen these before. We've seen uh, much more horrific examples of this, but it's uh, it's it, the, when you get these emails, just delete them. Move on. They don't have yeah. anything. And even if yeah. they have a password for like one of your sites, that's just coming from a, an old password breach or some old password database. So they may try to convince you that they have the the right uh, the right information that they that they actually have done this. Uh the truth of the matter is that they can script the authoring and sending of these emails remarkably quickly. So mm. it just it's just pulling pulling the data from from a database and inserting it into a text field and then sending it on its way. There's yeah, no, I'll nobody note giving also, you personal uh, attention.
2: I'll note also that I think one of the things that makes these effective is that this is a topic that people hesitate to discuss with their loved ones. So yes, absolutely. You know, it makes you scared that uh, what if on the very, very slight chance that this might be legitimate, I don't necessarily like the pathway that this could go down with my friends and and family. I don't want to talk about this. So that's what they're relying on. Um, So I think for those of us who are trying to protect our loved ones, you need to be preemptive about this. Go to your relatives. I'm thinking of, you know, elderly parents, people like that, and say, listen, this is a type of scam. If this type of scam happens to you, know that you can talk to me about it and there will be no judgment, (laughs) right? Right. There's no reason to be embarrassed about someone trying to scam you, no matter what the the subject matter is. All right. Well, our thanks to Connor for sending that in. And again, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is hackinghumans at cyberwire.com. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Kaspars Rookless. He is the program manager for media literacy at an organization called Irex, and we were discussing the Very Verified Media Literacy Program. Here's my conversation with Kaspars Rookless.
1: Well, disinformation is is a huge issue not only in the United States but also all around the world including the Baltics and uh, uh, there has been a lot of uh, different types of uh, misinformation and disinformation connected to the rise of the social media and many other information channels, also connected to foreign propaganda that uh, is quite accessible, uh, or it's used to be quite accessible here in the Baltic states. And uh, so there's, there's a big need uh, for the society to learn uh, tricks and tips, you know, how to better navigate the information environments as complicated as they are today. It's not as simple as it used to be even 10, 15 years ago, when there were, you know, major news sources, uh, you know, the television uh, channels, and and also a limited number of television channels, perhaps, uh, newspapers and radio. Uh, Now, news and information is coming at us from all different kinds of uh, directions. and, And it's very important for people to to realize what to believe and what not, you know uh, what information to to trust, uh, and perhaps uh, what information needs to be checked and verified. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's where the need comes from.
2: Can you give us some insights as to what are some of the specific things that people? Deal with there when it comes to disinformation. I mean, I think we have an idea, those of us uh, here in the United States, of the types of things we deal with, but I suspect there are some differences
1: in in your part of the world. Yes, there are many things that are probably quite similar, and especially, you know, the things that, uh, you know, happened around the global pandemic. There were a lot of people around here. That were also very skeptical about the virus, just like in the United States and many other places around the world. But then, perhaps, what is uh, slightly different for us, we are actually living, having uh, a joint border with the aggressor, with, uh, with Russia at the moment. And the Russian government uh, has been um, disseminating propaganda messages for many years. And, uh, and, you know, being direct neighbors, we have been directly affected by, by that disinformation a large portion of people in the baltics uh, also uh, understand and speak uh, the russian language even though of course we also speak our own latvian lithuanian and uh, estonian languages but still this language is historically uh, spoken and understood here so it's been uh, you know quite easy for 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 the propaganda experts uh, from moscow to target us and and, and perhaps uh, uh, spread the messages that are not always true that are quite manipulative and that are you know not really uh, you know helping us us in any way that are trying to damage us. Uh, they have tried different campaigns uh, portraying the Baltics as failed states they have been uh, in part uh, successful with those messages. Uh, so perhaps that's one 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 really big uh, big difference and as we all have seen uh, since February 24th, Unfortunately, this uh, threat is not only in the information environment, but if you look at what is happening in Ukraine and how Russia has been aggressive uh, uh, against uh, Ukraine and in the territory of Ukraine, then sometimes these threats uh, can really translate into something uh, much more uh, tangible and uh, and bigger. And that's certainly not something that... Uh, people in the Baltic states are, 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 are looking forward. We are a part of the you know, Western world now. We are, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia are members of EU and NATO. And we, we, we do you know, uh, align with the values of the Western democracies at the moment. Well,
2: let's talk about the Very Verified Media Literacy Program. What exactly are you doing here? What are the things that you've put in place?
1: You know, this is a program that is based on skills. Uh, we are trying to ensure that uh, people of the Baltic states can better engage critically with information. There's a lot of different types of information that people are bombarded with uh, these days, you know, coming from social media, coming from all different kinds of of, of channels. And very often, if you are not an expert on the communication or or information world, it is very hard to distinguish, you know, what things uh, to believe and what not. And so it's important that people actually You know, take a breath, uh, take uh, a step back and maybe uh, sometimes uh, ask questions about uh, the information that they receive and uh, try to verify it, try to, you know, question it and uh, uh, you know before making any 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 actions or, or or any 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 big decisions you know in the first place i think it's important uh, uh, that you know before making political decisions you know now actually this weekend latvia will have a parliamentary uh, elections and a lot of people are looking at wonderful beautiful you know posters of politicians and all different kinds of promises and messages but, uh, you know, they look very appealing and it seems like this new uh, political party or new politician is going to come and solve all our troubles that we're going to be living in a much happy world. But what people sometimes do not realize is that they they actually need to Look at it a little more uh, carefully uh, with some scrutiny, and uh, and there are ways how information uh, can be can be checked and verified. You know by looking at the records, by even sometimes uh, even uh, such a simple thing as a Google search can help uh, find out what uh, you know these people stand for and what they are all about. Uh, also, of course, uh, in the in other areas of life, uh, for example, uh, economically, very often you know. Especially during a pandemic, people started using a lot of online shops to buy things and uh, you know basically spend a lot of time uh, online and very often I think all of us have had an experience where we order something and then it turns out to be totally not what we wanted to actually order Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, when we are being a little more critical we can you know check and figure out you know what do other people say about this uh, this uh, product that we purchased and uh, we can still you know uh, be a little bit smarter about how we make these uh, economic decisions and also in other areas, like we work with, a lot with young people and young audiences. Very often, uh, they choose their next uh, university to go to. Here in Latvia, there was a university that actually organized like a big uh, party uh, during the you know late hours, and uh, students who attended the party and chose a study program got the uh, you know fifty percent discount for for studies. Is that really how people want to, you know, make a decision about their future without really uh, much uh, uh, trying to investigate what exactly are they going to be studying or what is the quality of the study program and so on and so forth? So there are so many different areas why, why, uh, you know, uh, this course can help people to navigate the information environment a little bit better and, uh, you know, in in their interests.
2: Yeah. Is it accurate to say that it's not so much that you're, Trying to tell people, you know, some, something is true or something is disinformation, but you're really providing them with tools to better be able to evaluate on their own.
1: Yes, exactly. I think it's very important uh, not to, you know, be uh, lecturing from a supreme uh, position because, uh, especially people that are, you know, that have their mind set on certain things, it's very hard for uh, to convince them with a lecture about how things should be done in a normative way of course uh, it's it's probably not a good idea so our approach is actually uh, much more gentle so to speak we try to equip people with uh, different tools we we tell them how to for example uh, you know fact check stories fact check photos or fake videos we we point out uh, things that should be uh, kept in mind when, when you read uh, a sensational headline, for example. And, uh, you know, we don't tell them what to read and what to consume, uh, but how to do it, you know, in a more sensible way that actually benefits perhaps them uh, later on.
2: And how are you reaching
1: people? How, how, do, how do you engage with them? Well, Media Literacy in the Baltics uh, program has uh, a number of components, but uh, one of our main component is we actually work with universities. So we actually uh, have um, a cooperation with uh, 13 university partners in Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania. So we, we, we uh, help university faculties to develop uh, uh, specifically designed study courses that we called jedi in english meaning journalism in the era of disinformation trying to uh, explain some of the things that are important for the future communication professionals to avoid disinformation because we have had cases uh, in the Baltics where journalists have been tricked with uh, deep fakes or cheap fakes uh, where somebody dresses up as someone else and uh, and gives an interview and then that gets broadcast on the national television and uh, after a day or two it turns out that that was an imposter giving the interview and it's actually not true. So it's very, very important for people that are working in in, in media, also for teachers to be uh, uh, knowledgeable about different ways to spot and fight disinformation. And we call that media literacy in one term, but it includes a lot of different things.
2: And where do you hope the program goes as you expand and are exposed to more people?
1: Well, we are working with uh, uh, a lot of different, uh, different audiences. We work with uh, future journalists and uh, future uh, education professionals. We are also uh, targeting. uh, teachers that are uh, already uh, working in the schools because national curricula is is requiring them that they integrate uh, media literacy skills into all study subjects uh, horizontally so those are uh, some of our audiences then we also just go out and work with youth with youth organizations uh, in 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 the baltics uh, who who are uh, you know interested in you know becoming better better more informed uh, uh, citizens so it's it's really targeting uh, all different kinds of uh, uh, kinds of people uh, you know living all over the all, all over the baltic states Uh, Also, what is important for us, given uh, our specific, is that we work with uh, uh, Russian-speaking population, especially with Russian-speaking youth. We do have some regions, especially in Estonia and in Latvia, where uh, we have a a large proportion of of, of Russian speakers, or and uh, sometimes they speak... uh, also the latvian or estonian language depending on which country of course but sometimes uh, not as well and uh, and 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 the risk is that they are facing this uh, information coming from uh, uh, channels uh, uh, from Moscow is, is, is much, much higher. So we do pay, pay attention to make sure that also, also this Russian-speaking population is, is, is well-integrated and, and also uh, well-equipped with, uh, with tools to recognize uh, different manipulation that you know, may not be good for them.
2: And how do you measure success? How do you know that your efforts here are really making a difference?
1: We do have a very uh, rigorous uh, monitoring and evaluation program that we use. Uh, we we do ask a lot of questions uh, throughout our trainings and also uh, on on the online uh, course that we uh, have just launched called Very Verified. Uh, there are quizzes and there's also the final test where we do try to measure also what is the impact of uh, of, of of these teachings because every education program uh, these days needs to really prove that it is, it is effective and we are trying to do that also with, with our program. So we do ask our, our training participants, uh, you know, uh, whether they are, you know, they feel safer and, and, and what things they will be doing differently when they will be reading a sensational headline or when they will be, you know, seeing something that seems uh, so unbelievable that uh, it might not be true uh, and, and, and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do look at, at, at the results.
2: Well, congratulations on your efforts. I mean, I I think it's certainly a worthwhile program. For those of us in in, in the English-speaking part of the world, are there accessible uh, ways for us to check out what you're up to?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, Internet uh, works everywhere. So, yeah, the the online version of our course is called Very Verified. Uh, Our address is uh, www.veryverified.eu. And uh, you, can, you can check it out. Uh, but I must uh, warn you that the course is designed for the Baltic audiences. So there will be a lot of Baltic context and also Baltic examples. But we do have an English version that uh, is, is available to anyone who speaks English. Uh, if you speak Russian uh, or anybody speaks Russian, there's also a Russian language version. And then, of course, there's a Latvian, Lithuanian and Estonian language version for, for the people in the Baltics.
0: What do you think? Good interview. Uh, I am a big fan of the of the media literacy program at uh, IRX, although it is targeted towards the Balkans. That's uh, I think it has a lot that could be applicable to the United States. Mm. Uh, there has been a huge change in the media landscape, and uh, Kaspar talks about that. Uh, first, there are biases most of the time, completely unacknowledged in what we would call traditional news sources. Uh, it, it's just a nature of uh, part of human nature that you've got to understand that pe- the, the, the people reporting the news to you are people and do have, they do have their biases. Right. Uh, and it, 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 that is one of the things that is just unavoidable in dealing with people. They're going to have biases and you're just going to have to understand, try to understand what their biases are. Yeah. Uh, with the expanded internet access that we've all experienced, the number of outlets has absolutely exploded. Uh, so now one of the things Kaspar says in here is that we started off with like a very few number of, of news outlets. So it was easy to vet them right? Because there's, if you can count them on one hand, you can go, okay, that one is good. And they tend, tend to be a little, uh, left leaning. That one's good. They tend to be a little right leaning. Uh, that one's garbage. Uh, you know, and you, you know, which one I'm talking about, you know, the national inquiry, sure. <laughs> you you but now, now what is, uh, what's out there? It's, uh, actually the national Enquirer, are not, not necessarily bad in terms of news, but just what they cover is just unpalatable to me, I should say. Um, are they still around, the National Enquirer? I think
2: so. I think you're still at, you can get them at your local uh, newsstand. I, I suspect.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always interesting to hear the differences and similarities in other populations, uh, to me at least. Uh, the Russians are masterful at uh, propaganda, mm. and nobody experiences that more closely than the Balkan states. Uh, mm-hmm. They are right there, and you know the the Russian government is still upset about losing them. And now they're part of the EU, Uh, you know, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, part of the EU. And uh, they're trying to portray the Baltic States as failed states. And it's interesting that some people are buying this. Mm. Uh, And it's, this is, this is part and parcel of what Russia does is they try, they try to convince people within a country that their country has failed. Uh, And, that that's a win for them. That's what, that's good for the, for the, for the Russian government. Mm-hmm. It works. Uh, so I like one of his, uh, one of the things Kaspar does question everything. Every message from any media outlet should be taken with a grain of salt. You should at least understand the biases that you're dealing with from the media outlet. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. you should also
0: have, make sure you have reputable media outlets. There are a ton of media outlets that are either, uh, owned by people in political parties or people closely associated with political parties, I, I wouldn't count anything any of those media outlets say as valid, uh, just because they they are masquerading as a real uh, news outlet, uh, and it's just not something that is the case. It's just not not true. They're they're just essentially public publicity arms for these political parties. If you want to call them propaganda, I really wouldn't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to see that politicians in Latvia are also uh, untrustworthy.
1: <laughs> I
0: think that <laughs> no, might be a universal
2: good, truth. Good in what way, Joe? Uh, it's <laughs> reassuring that it's not just us.
1: Yeah, reassuring that it's not just us. You
2: know? <laughs> okay. The, 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 U- the big universal truths of human nature.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the big smiling... Poster of, of people, and oh, I'm going to yeah. make everything so much better. And then you elect them, and nothing changes. You know, it's. it's <laughs> it. Uh, I like his story about, uh, going to school, going the university that had the, uh, the big party and gave everybody 50% off. I have a big rant on picking a school and a major, but I'll save that for another time. It's actually outside <laughs> of the scope of this show, but okay. it's, it's very important to listen to. So if anybody wants to hear it, I'll give me, let me know. I'll, I'll give you a call and, and give it to you. And you can listen <laughs> to the rant on the phone for a little while. Um, 1900 Joe Rance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a fortune.
2: Um, Ninety nine a minute, yeah. <laughs>
0: right. The media interviews with imposters. I thought that was very interesting. I I I I don't know that I've ever seen that happen. I mean, we've seen the 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 cheap fakes happen where where those make the rounds on social media, but I can't think of a time when uh, somebody interviewed somebody they thought was a politician and it turned out to not be that politician, just some random person wearing a disguise to look like the politician. Mm -hmm. Have have you ever seen that happen? No, I don't think I have. Not, not here. I mean, uh, yeah, not here. I I don't, I don't know that it has happened here. I'm not aware of it happening here. I should say that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think I've I would love, well, I mean, I wouldn't love to see that happen, but I, I would, that would be an interesting experience to say the least, to be mm-hmm. part of that, you know, to see that happen. I wouldn't like to see it happen, but I'd be interested to see it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I,
0: I'm I'm wondering
2: what the risk reward is for, for someone to go on. Well, yeah. I'm thinking of because they're there are the prank kind of things. I, I, I'm right. just thinking of like the ways for, like someone's going to be a guest on the Today Show, right? You're right. on TV, you're on camera. There are lots of staff at that show who are doing the vetting and the, all that sort of stuff, and they have systems in place, and that's one thing. And then I'm thinking about um, you know people from the Howard Stern show calling and saying Baba Booey. <laughs> that's <laughs> right? right. Like that's that's the other that's the other end that. of the
0: spectrum, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not really impersonation, that. but it, yeah, yeah, it's just somebody calling in pretending to be somebody with information that they uh, that they are not. That's that's a different kind of thing, and that's when the news media when they're in that news cycle with something breaking and big, and they're looking to get anything else out mm-hmm. of um, out of any any more information they can put on screen and go, look, we got the scoop. You know, and I guess they, I have, yeah, I guess I have, you
2: know, along the lines with that Howard Stern kind of thing, I have heard. Of pranking situations where someone would call in with a really good impersonation of a celebrity
0: yes. and pretend
2: to be that celebrity. You know, yes, was, I have seen that. A, so I've seen that, but I haven't seen it where the consequences are someone pretending to be a politician or pretending to be a, a president or a congressperson or something something like that. So
0: Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like know. Pre- like showing up in person pretending to be somebody. Right. Uh, yeah, we've all seen. I'm not talking about the call-ins. The call-ins are easy to easy to do. You get somebody who can do a good. I can do a pretty good Bill Clinton, I think. But <laughs> um, that's a much younger Bill Clinton, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't I don't think that sounds like him anymore. But but I've never seen somebody like dress up like to look like Bill Clinton or any not even Bill. I mean, I, I would think that Bill Clinton or a, a former president, any former president, you'd be easy to that. That's not who that is. But right. you know, maybe a local. Uh, state delegate. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you know what your state delegate looks like? Kinda, kinda. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. That would be uh, that would be interesting to see. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, our thanks to Kaspar's Rookless for joining us. We do appreciate him taking the time. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Our thanks to Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. Learn more at harborlabs.com and isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan.